Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free on the ground. South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do. Well, it is finally here. It is finally back the James Bonham Trophy Week. Nick, I know you've been waiting for this all season long. He's Nick Close. I'm Mike You, but Marcus is off this week. The Bonham Trophy. I, I, I know you've the been just Bonham waiting trophy. for this game. You've been just oh. waiting for this game all year, Nick, huh? Oh, the Bonham Trophy? I mean, how could anyone forget? And I'm not I'm not going to lie. I've, <laughs> I, 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 we know I went to the University of South Carolina. I had no idea the Bonham Trophy existed. Oh, this I, is I'll what be, happens I'll be when straight your team up is 0-8 against Texas A&M all time, and you have two former governors, Rick Perry and Nikki Haley. They were the ones that said, hey, let's name it after the great James Bonham. Uh, I say great. I have really no idea about his history. I think it was the Alamo. He he battled that. He's an Alamo battle hero. Okay. I want to be very careful because when you bring up some of these these figures from from the past, these – it seems like a couple couple years go by and then you find something out about them. So I want to be very careful of what I say. Because uh, I don't know too much about them. I don't want to piss anyone off. But anyway, bottom line is, it's a trophy game. Is that what, it, at the end of the day, really matters? No. But at the same time, too, South Carolina is trying to do something that they have never done before. And that's beat the Aggies. And not just beat the Aggies, who, of course, don't have a long history of being in the SEC, which is why they don't have that much history against each other um, on top of the fact that they are in the SEC West. And when the crossover schedule changed a couple of years back, of course, South Carolina and the Aggies matchup. But I, I bring all that up though, Nick, because the fact that they've never beat them before doesn't surprise me that some people don't know about this trophy. Um, I don't know where I'd rank this trophy when it comes to trophy games. The civil conflict, the civil conflict between UCF and UConn um, is on a pedestal so high. I don't even know if you remember that rivalry trophy. Um, I don't. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Go look that one up if you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But I bring that up just because it has just been a one-sided ass whooping in this series. So, look. The history speaks for itself, but honestly, I I don't care about it. I really don't. 
I really don't. And it's not just saying like this year is different. It's just the fact that where you are right now, four and two, you're on a three-game winning streak for the first time since 2017. You're coming off a bye week. You're playing a team who's also coming off a bye week, which we alluded to last week. But they've also have had their struggles. Yes, they took Alabama to the brinks. Yes, they put them in a situation where they were yards away, yards away from beating the tide, but they didn't. They didn't. Texas was yards away from beating the tide. They didn't. So you have an opportunity to beat a Texas A&M team right now who is banged up despite coming off a of bye week, Nick, both physically and mentally. And you're playing at home under the lights, giving a fan base who has desperately, desperately wanted a reason to cheer for football and get that apathy that was gone from a couple of years ago during the Will Muschamp era. They have desperately wanted something to cheer about in mid-October going into late November. You want to be able to do that, it starts this weekend, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason I don't know about the trophy, and it's because if you've never won it, like, how do you really know about it? That that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. Like we, it's it's an the trophy was made in 2013. The first time South Carolina and Texas A&M played was 2014, and since then, eight and zero, eight and zero, and we all remember. The last, uh, the largest margin of victory was forty-eight to three, which I believe was Will Muschamp's last game. <laughs> which is crazy. Which is crazy when you think back to what we saw last year. I mean, at, at one point they were out gaining you. I believe it was what in the third quarter, Nick. Late in the third, they were out gaining you by about four hundred yards yeah. on offense. So, and we talked about this last week because there really wasn't much to talk about other than, okay, we'll recap Kentucky a little bit, but you really wanted to just turn that page. You really wanted to be able to get things going. And and even though, and I've had conversations with people inside that building at USC this week about things that we talked about last week, which included being able to take a step back and breathe and know, hey, we've been in this situation before. Not these same players, not the same coaching staff, but we've been in situations like this before where we're riding off a high. And it's now our responsibility as a team, coaches, players, it's our responsibility as a team to put that to the side. Whether that be a big win, whether that be even a disappointing loss, and you don't let it snowball into something the next week in a negative fashion. Mm-hmm. So for South Carolina, again, coming off a massive win, a massive win. Huge, yeah. To be able to do that, that's great. But it means absolutely shit the next week if you're playing again. Um, and, in, and obviously they had a bye week. So this week, two weeks later, guess what? It means absolutely shit. It means nothing. It means that you were able to get to four and two that night and you were able to get some confidence. 
Now it's your responsibility to put that to the side. So in my story today on Gamecock Central for Quick Slants, that will come out in the afternoon. So by the time this podcast is uploaded, it might already be out. But one thing that I really wanted to stress is what we've been talking on the last couple of weeks, which is you need to have a quick start. You need to win that first quarter. Because if you fall behind against A&M, what's going to happen is the crowd's just going to be taken out. You're not going to have a 12th man. I know it's ironic to say that against the Aggies. You're not going to have a 12th man. You're not going to be able to take advantage of home field advantage. You need to give this fan base a reason. Because, Nick, although there's a lot of people out there that are probably very excited about what we're seeing from South Carolina right now, there's probably a lot of people that are still like, okay, that's great, but can they do it again? And if they fall behind early in this game, I don't know. I don't know what we'll see from this crowd. I'm not saying people are going to go across the street and get corn dogs at the fair, even though that happened last year when the fair was in town against Bandy. <laughs> we'll never forget that. And then Zeb Nolan came in, and all you can think about is that poor guy that left that was sitting behind me. But oh my God. this fan base, this fan base needs a reason to stick around and to make an impact. And I hate to say that. And it's not saying that, okay, bad fan base, bad student section. It's just the God's honest truth. You play like crap early on in this game, you lose that home field advantage. Against a team like the Aggies, even though they're a little banged up, both physically and mentally, you still need all hands on deck. And that includes the fans making a difference. I mean, we saw it with Georgia. Um, Georgia made the home field advantage, like you said, a non-factor. With the way that South Carolina started, um, I mean, it make, it's not, it's not like you said, it's not a knock on a fan base. It's not a knock on South Carolina fans. It's just a fact. If, if you're going to play that bad, you know, people don't want to stick around. Um, and so Georgia did that very well. We've seen Texas A&M do it. I mean, like I said, when when South Carolina played Texas A&M, I believe my junior year, that's the year they lost 48-3. to I was in the press box writing a written story for it. And, I mean, you've never seen a place clear out faster. It was a blowout. So we know Texas A&M can do it. So they need to, as we've said, every game since that Georgia game, they need to start fast. They need to, they can't go start slow. They can't, that first drive can't result in a turnover or, you know, something that's going to deflate them. Um, and then you also look at last year, and we've talked about this before, Mike, too. You look at last year and how they weren't really able to string together wins. It was always win. Then And it's like, oh, South Carolina's got momentum, and then they would lose the next game. And then they would get back into the win column. They were always battling back. They were always battling back. And they were very resilient, and it was great, and it got them to 7-6 and six in a bowl win. But if you want to improve and get better this year, you have to improve on that as well. Be able to string together, because I believe they are at, they're at three straight wins now, and that's the most they've had in mm-hmm. years. So if you get a fourth and it's against Texas A&M, imagine how 
much confidence, you know, how much the recruits looking at the program are watching, seeing what's going on, all that. It's all trending in the right direction. But I mean, I won't lie, when you're eight, when you're 0 and 8 against a team, and it, I know it's not these guys, it's not these coaches, but that's deflating. That's that's in your head a little bit. That's something that's something they can't think about as players. You know, for me as a fan and stuff, you you're kind of thinking about it. You're like, well, we're zero and eight. Like, but at the same time, that streak's got to break eventually. And- it's on your mind a little bit. It is on your mind a little bit, Nick. And it's not the same. Uh-huh. I mean, I can think back to when I was in college. We had one team who we were like one in twenty six against. It was. It's not something that you bring up a lot, but you like you said, you know it's there. Yeah. You know it's there. And even though South Carolina doesn't have a long history with Texas A&M, and we joke about the James Brown trophy, the, the fact of the matter is to be able to say that you were the first to do it, that's yeah. special if they were able to beat A&M. But number two, again – it's not like this has been years on top of years, decades. And, but some of those players will want to win it for guys that weren't able to beat any of them. I mean, that's something that I always thought about. It's like, you know, it's the guys that came before you that weren't able to get it done. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's Texas A&M. It's not alabama or even georgia in recent years i know they were able to beat them on the road between the hedges that one year with my i I get that but it's not a team like that but it's still an opportunity to do something for guys who a lot of these guys have played with over the last couple of years and they were never able to do it just because it's never been able to be done so yeah i don't i don't know in situations like this, I mean, if you ask if you ask Beamer at the podium, he's going to downplay it. You know, if you were to ask him, Shane, how much do you talk to your guys about the fact that South Carolina has never beat A&M? And he'd probably say, you know, it's not something that we stress on. We don't even bring up with our guys. I'm sure it gets brought up at some point. I don't know if it's the the – dinner at the team hotel the night before or if it's something that's said the day of the game after meetings but you bring it up you bring it up because you let them know hey you have an opportunity to do something that no one in South Carolina history has ever been able to do and you have a chance to do it for the guys that came before you that is special and for a lot of those guys in that locker room it will resonate with them Mm-hmm. So again, when you're when you're talking about anything in sports, right? I mean, you are an athlete. It doesn't matter what sport it is. When you have an opportunity to find some type of advantage, to be able to give yourself a, you know, to put yourself in a situation where you feel like it's going to help give you some type of advantage, you're going to take it. And I think this is one of those cases here. Yeah, no, I I agree. And honestly, with the way Beamer is as a coach, just from what you see on the outside, I agree probably on the podium, he downplays it. But I have no doubt he's said he might not have said something. Like you said, it could be right before the game. Who knows when? But like 
with the way, you know, Beamer after beating Kentucky and the Mark Stoops thing and stuff, I'm sure he they're thinking about it a little bit. Like, don't let these people. It's calculated. Yeah, it's very exactly. Calculated. It's, it's calculated. And what I will say about this Texas A&M game is I think this is a winnable game. This is mm-hmm. a winnable game. That, that's the difference between, like, when we were previewing Georgia, when I think me and Marcus were doing it, that was, kind of, that was a game you're previewing, and we know Georgia. We know how good Georgia is. We're talking about all the things South Carolina needs to do to basically pull off a miracle. I don't I, think they need a miracle against Texas A&M. They need to play, they need to play maybe a little better than they did against Kentucky um, and keep improving. I think if they keep on the streak of improving every week the way they have, Texas A&M is a very winnable game. They do have their starting quarterback, or is it starting quarterback or second string? They got they're, they're down to the yeah, they're down to the backup. But yeah, they're at the backup. I do, I do want to say this though, Nick, right? Because I know we, we saw it, we saw it on Gamecock Central this week. I did it on GC Live talking Tuesday night. It was on Monday, and I do want to bring some of the comments that Up Howard had to say. Uh, because he joined us, and I thought he was absolutely awesome. Um, much like the Kentucky game, and I'm not trying to downplay Will Levis, because I do think he's a special quarterback, but much like in the Kentucky game, regardless if Levis was out there or not, just like in this case, it's going to come down to being able to stop the run. AM has a talented running back, and they're – most likely going to give him the ball anywhere between 15 and 20 times. That's if, that's if you aren't getting beat up in the run game. Because if you are, they're just going to want to keep running it at you. So I say all that because, I say all that because this is an opportunity for South Carolina to improve on an area that they have struggled in, which is run defense. But at the same time, too, as we mentioned last week on the program, they did some good things in that second half against Kentucky. It's not about stopping the run. It's about containing it. And what's the difference? It's just not letting them have that home run hit, not letting them get that big run. So if you can do that against this team, I think you're going to put yourself in a great situation to be able to win this game. Regardless of who the quarterback is. I, I, I definitely agree. I, I do think also because like Texas A&M, it, it, South Carolina is struggling to stop the run this year. We've seen it. I mean, even we beat Kentucky and Rodriguez for the Kentucky running back had 126 yards. He didn't have a touchdown. So maybe that's more the containing um, there in the second half and everything. But Texas A&M is a team that has ran all over South Carolina, like literally physically ran the ball all over South Carolina. So that puts an emphasis, obviously, as it has every week, but I think even more so against A&M, if you got to stop the run. Now, I will say they don't have the they don't have the backs that they have in the past. I think Isaiah Spiller and is Isaiah Spiller still there or he he left? He's gone. He's gone. So. I'm not saying, you know, that who knows they knowing Texas A&M and their recruiting, they probably have a few more backs right ready who are just as good. But, you know, you got to stop the run. 
you got, or as you said, contain the run. Um, that's that's the major key. I mean, I mean, Mike, it's the battle for the Bronum. It's like it's like the biggest game <laughs> of the year. Um, they got they got to come in, they got to come in ready. They got to come in hot. It's at Willie B, and and I would like to see them use the home use the home field advantage. Like you said, I it really didn't click in my head until you said it. Um, that you can you really can lose it, and. I don't want to see them lose it. I've seen them lose it before. And it just happens, you know, back when playing Texas A&M two years ago, they were really good playing Georgia this year. Extremely good. I mean, it happens, but I'd love to see them really uh, use the home field advantage. And look, and look, this is the big thing. Okay. They win this game. They're five and two. Yeah. They're five and two. I'm trying not to think about that too much. Okay. And I don't have it in front of me. I just want to make sure I could be off. But what do they have the following week, Nick? They're on the road. Vandy or Mizzou, or Mizzou one of the two. Or excuse me, they're home. Excuse me. They're home against Missouri. Okay? They're home against Missouri. You have a golden opportunity. A golden, and I'm not trying to get too ahead of ourselves here, but you have a golden opportunity to start the year off 6-2, and two, be bowl eligible. Five-game winning streak, okay? I'm saying all these things not to get ahead of ourselves, but to just show how things can really change for South Carolina with this win this week. Oh, yeah. Because now because now you're bowl eligible, right? You're bowl eligible eight games into the season. And when they were one and two, there were some people that go, oh, they'll be lucky to get five wins this year. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, there were some people. And we talked about it all offseason, that there was going to be growing pains. And that's not to say if they lose this game, oh, season's over, can't make a ball. No. But it's just putting things into perspective of golden, how golden. I think people understand, but I'm really going to hammer it, how golden of an opportunity they have in front of them right now. And to be able to do this, right, to be able to do this, okay, right, five wins this week. They, if they get a win and then six win, they're able to do that. They'll be bowl eligible. <laughs> They'll be bowl eligible in freaking October. Oh October. That would be beautiful. So, so, again, I know it's one step at a time. They have to take care of A&M this week. But to just show the growth that we are seeing is sometimes Nick, it's not necessarily the wins and losses. Okay. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what you're going to be judged on as a head coach. You don't have enough wins. I mean, it doesn't matter what sport it is. Frank Martin can tell you that it, it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So if you're able to, Make this type of progress, right? The wins, obviously, that's great. But to do all this stuff as quickly as we've seen it, a year and a half into the Beamer era, this is what you need to be smiling about. This is what it's okay. It's like, this is the part that I I just don't understand with some fans. I, I just don't get it. And it's not every fan base is like this. I'm covering the Patriots right now. I see it. Even during the time period, the Patriots were going 13 and three. I know it's a 17 game schedule now, but even when they were winning, you know, 12, 13, 
some people just need to enjoy what they're witnessing. It's not to say you have to go out and friggin', you know, go pop a bottle of champagne, but this is the progress. And I hope people are recognizing that, that we are seeing progress. Nick, just your reaction. Hey, they have an opportunity to be goal eligible by the end of October. Oh, what? Yeah. If oh, I told yeah. you that two years ago, when Muschamp got fired, you'd be like, sign me up for that. This oh, yeah. is what they're talking about, about changing things. Ball is literally in their court. They have to be able to do it now. That's what it comes down to. And that's the name of my story this week. There's, it, there's no secret. There's no magic formula. You need to execute. You have your opportunities right now. You got to just go out there and do it. And I, and I think they need to execute because, like you said, they have an opportunity to, you know, be six and two and be bowl eligible in October. And then they have Vandy after Mizzou, um, <laughs> which are win- all winnable games. And if you want to get even more ahead of yourself, then you're seven and two. Um, but then you have to look forward and see in the schedule. Well, we have a lot of orange on that schedule. The orange crush is what they would call it back in the day. And it's back finishing oh, the yeah. season off with Tennessee, Florida, uh, Clemson. I don't know if it's in that order. It could, I think I could have that flipped around, but the point being is those are the three teams you have at the end of the year. Yeah, and no, and, and we've all seen what Tennessee's doing. Everyone's seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Clemson's still a top five team and Florida, you know, Florida's probably, I'd say same level as AM, a winnable game, but if you take advantage of this opportunity to take down Texas A&M, ride this momentum, and then you got Missouri, then you got Vandy, you're, you're feeling really good, a lot better going into those final three games or final couple games. And maybe you, you know, you put up a fight against Tennessee. I don't, I'm not going to lie. Tennessee's scary, but um, you put up a fight against Tennessee, you beat Florida. You know, I always say Clemson's a rivalry game. I'm going to take the Gamecocks every time because you never know what's going to happen. Um, but if you, you're you setting yourself up very well for that very tough schedule at the end of the season, if you can get a win against Texas A&M and then do what – and then, like we've talked about, get the job done and do what you're supposed to do. Do your job against Missouri mm-hmm. and Vandy, who in my opinion are lesser teams in the SEC. So when we bring up when we bring up the future, though, Nick, we bring up these games that are going to be taking place the next couple of weeks. I, I try not to get too ahead of ourselves just because there's a lot that can take place between obviously now and, you know, Tennessee week or Florida, week, whatever the case may be. But it's it's to show that there are changes going on right now in this program. There are things that are taking place right now that a couple of years ago, it seemed like it was impossible. I mean, shoot. Even last year, I get it, okay? But you have a first-year coach. You're fighting to make a bowl game at the end of the year. And I know we could go back and really dissect things. It's like, well, I've said no one was a touchdown pass in October against Mandy, and they don't become bowl eligible. I get all that. There's progress being made. With that all being said, bringing it back to this week, the win itself, okay, that, that, that speaks for itself. But what they do this week, and I know offensively will really stand out more than anything because that's just the offense, you're the driver, right? You're in the driver's seat. 
the way the car moves, whether you're getting into one lane or the other, stopping, going, it feels like you have more control because you have the ball. Same can be said on defense. Same can be said on special teams. But how you perform this week, how you look this week, how you fixed some of the flaws in all three phases is going to be critical to what we will see over this next month and a half of the regular season. Mm -hmm. What you do schematically is not what I'm talking about. It's what we see from an execution standpoint. Schematics, yes, in terms of when plays are called, but the X's and O's of the plays themselves, I'm not expecting a lot to be different. Um, I do feel like we will see added wrinkles this week, but in the grand scheme of things, it, it's going to be like getting a cake. The only difference is maybe they're using, I don't know, a different color frosting. It's still going to taste like frosting though. You know, that, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. The presentation might look a little differently. We might see, and we talked about it last time, Nick, right? With Jalen Brooks, we call it a orbit motion. Right. It's it's like you're it's like you're part of the solar system solar system and the quarterback is in the middle like the sun. To go back to that play, if everyone knows what I'm talking about, when he came in motion, kind of halves it, right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes back and then you part of the run. So we might see different wrinkles in that regard. But if you're expecting to see a totally different playbook, if you're upset with the offensive scheme, if you're upset with Marcus Satterfield, I don't know what to tell you. Don't expect a completely different playbook because you've only had one extra week. When South Carolina changed things up against UNC and to carry on Joyner was the quarterback of that game, you had a couple weeks to prepare. But the majority of the plays were still the same, though, Nick. It was just you had a different quarterback doing it. So I'm not saying that. We're going to see Dak out there a quarterback. I'm not saying that we won't see Dak out there a quarterback. I'm not saying that I know anything um, in regards to the game plan. But what I'm trying to harp on is what you have seen this year is what you will see this weekend. It just comes down to getting it done. And I know, again, offense is really going to be under the microscope because it's really easy to look at that. Coming off a of bye week, what do they do differently? What are they at? I get that. But even from a defensive standpoint, what do they do? What do they do differently? And sometimes those things won't pop out to the naked eye for most fans. It will be, are they tackling well? Are they rallying to the football? Um, how many guys are, are in the box? Like Stuff like that. But when you really start breaking it down with the defensive linemen, not to get too technical here, but the twists, the stunts, just the way that they are positioning themselves to stop the run. Those Mm -hmm. things have happened all season long, but I think we'll really start to see them this week. So again, if you're someone that likes watching the, the ins and outs of the game and you want to see from a technical standpoint, pay attention to that this weekend. Pay attention from from a defensive line standpoint, what they do. This isn't youth football, and I think everyone knows that, where you're just going to have three, four, sometimes five defensive linemen 
just going straight. It's, it, that's just not, it's not going to happen. You're going to do twists and stunts. And now pay attention to that this weekend. So those are some of the things that I'm really interested to see, Nick, because, you know, you've had time. You've had time to prepare. And there's no reason why some of those, and AM, you could say, again, everything you could say about South Carolina, you can say the exact same for Texas AM because they're coming off a bye too. But yeah. you, and they're going to throw some different wrinkles at you. And, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on that before I really dig deeper into this whole thing with AM because it's like I said, you're going to see some things that AM hasn't done all the year because they're going to make adjustments and you're going to have to make in-game adjustments. But just going back to that part of it, Nick, like we talked about, you j- it just comes down to execution. There's, there's mm-hmm. no other way to put it. Execution, execution, execution. You know what you have to do. You've had two weeks to prepare for this. Execute. That's what it comes down to. They, they know what they have to do. And like, and like you said, the offense isn't going to change. I do think it's going to get better. I mean, the plays aren't going to be completely different. It's not going to be a whole new playbook, but they're probably they're going to run their plays better. You've seen we've seen I'm a broken record on this one, but we've seen improvement every single week. We saw improvement with Kentucky. They ran the ball extremely well. I've said before, I think Marshawn Lloyd is really gaining confidence and coming into his own where he can put up 100, put up 80, 90, 100 rushing yards against SEC opponents. And I think you're going to see that against Texas A&M. But you're go- I think we'll see, again, the offense take another step forward. You know, I don't know if it's going to be crazy, but that run game opened up Rattler to throw the ball mm-hmm. a little bit more. And maybe Texas A&M, we throw it downfield a little more um, because, you know, he went 14 for 19 last week. Um, so we're Or two weeks ago. So we're seeing that improvement. But a stat that I really wanted to um, mention, South Carolina is 0-2 when it's minus three in the turnover margin. Mm. Texas A&M has only lost one game where they were plus three, and that was Bama, but that's Bama. And uh, South Carolina, I don't see us winning if you give up three turnovers to Texas A&M. I just don't see it. So a huge thing for the offense this week I've, is take care of the ball. You know, I was reading an article and it was basically talking about how, you know, South Carolina is guaranteed to get two turnovers a game, to, to have two turnovers a game. Rattler throwing a pick or a fumble. I mean, we saw it against Kentucky. Um, take care of the ball. Mm-hmm. To the, be- the best of their ability, and it, hopefully the best they've ever done it, because yeah, up until now, you know, they have been good for a two turnovers a game about. So really take care of the ball, and if they can do that, I do think they have a leg up on A&M, because I, I can tell you, I think A&M is going to take care of the ball, and South Carolina's defense is going to have to force some turnovers and do some things to, to you know, get their hands on it. Any of those, any of those DBs rush, any of them get their hands on it, cause some turnovers. Um, because obviously, when South Carolina's defense is playing at the top of their game, that's when we're at our best. Um, but really, I just think reading that stat, that's what I want to see from the offense is you know, really, hopefully, we run the ball with Lloyd. I, in my opinion, yes, I want to see Rattler air it downfield, that would be awesome. But the run game is working for Lloyd, 
And um, I love to see that. Hopefully that'll open up the field more for Rattler to throw, to make some big plays as long as we can take care of the ball. I think that's going to be crucial. The run game is the heartbeat of this offense. The run game is what's going to dictate how far this offense will go. You don't have a passing game without being able to run the football in this offense. It's just how it is. It's plain and simple. Whether you like that or not, that is just where this team is. And again, if you don't like some things with the offense, I understand it. But at the same time, too, don't hold your breath if you expect to see things to be different. It's just It just won't happen. It, those things don't take place in the middle of a season. They just don't. Um, what we've seen from them offensively, for the most part, will be what we will see this weekend. So I understand the frustration sometimes, and we can agree and disagree on some of it. I do feel like, though, one thing that can be better is just continuing to ensure that the run game doesn't get abandoned early on. And this may have been a static throughout the last week. It's been on Gamecock Central I've brought up, but I'll bring it up here again. Through the first three games of the season, okay, South Carolina ran for 211 yards, 211. In their last three games, they have rushed for over three times that amount. Oh, my God. So I bring that stuff up, though, Nick, because, okay, you played SC State. You played Charlotte. But you also played Kentucky in there. We ran the ball pretty well against, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. I mean, the offense is a first half speaks for itself. We talked about that before, right? Last week that it was probably their worst. It was from a from a yard standpoint, their worst offensive performance since Michigan. Um, but what we saw from this team, what we saw from this team, or one of their worst, I should say, because Texas A and M last year speaks for itself too. Mm-hmm. But what we saw from this team was getting back to the run, and I think that's the biggest thing that this team needs to do. And Marcus Satterfield understands that that they have to be patient. And I hate saying trust the process. Uh, I think that is a corny phrase that the Seventy Sixers use. But you have to trust what you do best, and you run the football. The best way to describe it is, right, think about playing Madden or NCAA back in the day, and you're playing a video game against your buddy, and you cannot run the football to save your life. You just can't. For whatever reason, you just can't run the ball. So what happens? Pass, 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 pass. pass. Like, all you're doing is throwing the football. And – if you're not able to get some of those completions, what happened? You're just getting more frustrated. And it's kind of like going to the casino, playing roulette, and you keep losing your money, and you know that you should just change it up. And the change-up would be to run the football, but you want to just keep going back. If there's more money, what happens? You keep passing, passing, and the same results keep happening. Because they know that you're going to throw the ball. You want to go, you want to, go to the big money plays, which is passing yep. downfield. Correct. So what you need to do is, 
you need to take a deep breath, just like you do if you're at the roulette table. Take a deep breath, right? In this case, probably fit some out so you can you know, get some things corrected. And then what you do is you run the football. Run the football. It's okay to run the football because guess what? Like we talked about before, this is how this offense has been able to get things going. This is how this offense has had success. And it also puts your quarterback, Spencer Rattler, in position to have success because he is better when he's outside of the pocket. He's better when he's throwing the football outside of the pocket when he's rolling out, play actions, boots, um, RPOs, all that stuff. That is up Spencer Rattler's warehouse. And that's what you're going to need to do this weekend. And I really, I really like the gambling analogy because like, like you said, when you're down, yes, you want to win all your money back in one big thing in one big and maybe play. speaking of recent, I may be speaking from recent experience uh, a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why that analogy is on my mind right now. <laughs> hey, I, I was in, I was in Iowa to start the football season. I went to the Nebraska game, but went to Iowa to the casino and I can very much relate um to losing your money and then wanting to win it all back and you can't win it all back at once you want to you want to do the the big play downfield you know especially with south carolina when they get down early you want to get back in it so what are you going to do like you said you're down in madden you throw the ball but like you said mike we know who this offense is and it's the heartbeat is the run so earn your money back a little bit at a time Earn your way back mm-hmm. in a game a little bit at a time. Run the ball. Stick to what you're good at. And then, like you said, that opens up Rattler to really show what – to do what he's best at, which is throwing outside the pocket and, you know, making plays. It's almost it's weird. It's almost like he's better at making crazy plays than just in-the-pocket passes. But that's just who he is. He's, he's a crazy athlete. He's a crazy – got crazy arm talent. So play into his strengths – and I think that's something we, we really didn't do early in the season was play to his strengths. Um, and that's what we need to continue to do uh, as the season goes on. But the run's the heartbeat. So we don't need to be chucking the ball downfield every play. We don't need to be taking – we don't need to be forcing it, I think is the best thing to say. Is we do not need to force it because when we force it, what happens? Turnovers. And we just talked about how South Carolina is when they get, when they get a couple of turnovers. It usually doesn't end well. So if you want to take care of the ball, you want to be efficient on offense, get, you got to run it. I mean, Lloyd had, we talked about it last week, but 22 carries, 110 yards for and a touchdown against Kentucky. And that that's a, that's a defense that, that's a defense of at the time, the 13th ranked team in the country. I think they're somewhere in the 20s now or maybe high teens, but you know, that's, that's a, that's a good game from Lloyd. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep running the ball and then open up Rattler to throw it downfield. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be best case scenario for them. But um, I'm optimistic. I I really am. I really am. Like I said, it's the, it's the battle for the Bronham. That's the only way I'm referring to this game from now on. Um, Because now that I I know. So I think I'm in a wind tunnel right now. We're going to wrap up the show, but um, looking forward to being back down in South Carolina this week. 
And so if you guys are around, you see me during the tailgates, say hello. I'll definitely have plenty of Bojangle gift cards with me. I can tell you that much. Oh, beautiful. Um, I'll, be at, I'll be at the game too, Mike. So I'll be meeting you for Bojangles gift cards. Looking forward to it. Everybody <laughs> have yourself a great weekend and enjoy the game. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.